Hi FI Europeans, this is Matthias and today I interview Martin Sliebiertz, the co-founder of the Debitum Network. That's a peer-to-peer -peer lending platform focused on loans for small and medium-sized businesses. And in a few seconds we talk about his background stories, the interest rates, their credit scoring models and their plans regarding compliance. We also learn about the new CEO and how the coverage of peer-to-peer -peer lending platforms change over time in the blogging community. I also had the chance to play some of the questions of our Facebook group. If you are later on interested in investing with Debitum, go to financial-independence.eu slash Debitum or click the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Arminta, and Matthias. Hi, this is Matthias, and I want to introduce you this episode's sponsor, which is Estate. Everstate is a real estate peer-to-peer -peer aggregator and with one account you can build a diversified portfolio of projects of many different deal providers across 11 countries. What I really like about them is that Everstate founders also invest personal money in some of the projects and you could choose to follow them to invest in these curated skin-in-the-game projects manually or just using the auto-invest feature like I do. With the three investment types, you can decide if you want to invest in property loans, equity or earn a steady income from rentals. Most projects are backed by collateral and you can expect returns between 5 and 18%. If you're interested, you can find more information at financial-independence.eu slash evoestate. That's spelled E-V-O-S-T-A-T-E. And you can find the link also in the show notes. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Financial Independence Europe podcast. And today with me is Martin Sliebertz. Is it spelled correctly, Martin? Yes, yes, it's spelled correctly. Hi, everyone. Hi, Martin. And uh, you are the founder or one of the founders of the Debitum Network. It's a peer-to-peer -peer lending platform uh, that maybe some of some of our audience has heard about. And uh, yeah, today we want to dig a little bit deeper into it and find out uh, how it's different um, compared to other platforms and so on. First of all, I would like to ask you, tell us a little bit about the Debitum Network and maybe what's the founding story, by whom is it founded and maybe who are the investors? Yeah, sure. Debitum Network is an online platform technology that allows our users to purchase a business loan. Those business loans at the moment, they already provided to the businesses. So we, we use a principle of uh, loan origination that someone has originated the loan and our users can purchase them. So that's uh, very shortly what Debt to Network is. And uh, we founded it, uh, uh, I think now it's uh, three years ago. Me, uh, Martins, and uh, two other guys, uh, Donatas and Justas, me myself being a Latvian uh, and they being Lithuanian. Uh, that's kind of, we have an international founders team. Yeah, <laughs> very international. <laughs> It is. Very I would say regional. Regional. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, and so far, uh, our users, investors, there are two parts. Basically, there is kind of uh, re we we call one part retail or, or private persons, and another part more institutional or, or and legal persons. We have both of those parts, and we are uh, we have institutional investors. We we are really happy about that because we, we feel that um, for any investment, it's really good if some uh, bigger or more experienced, not always more experienced, maybe, but uh, bigger players are also involved. And uh, and users, uh, they have private users. Currently, we have more than uh, 
four and a half thousand accounts on the platform. Obviously, not all of them are active. So maybe that's in short for the beginning and let's, let's dig deeper. Four and a half thousand signups, um, basically. And you can't share how many of them are active or. Uh, I, I, we ha yeah, I think that's not a big, not a big secret. Out of them, uh, approximately one third is active at the moment. Oh, that's a good rate. It's nice that you say it's good, right? We feel it's not the best rate because we feel the better rate is around 45 to 50%. So we are still lacking, lagging a bit behind. But. Mm, yes, but you can always um, activate them um, if you send them emails or if they gain a little bit more trust. Yeah. So it's not too bad. And maybe also they they just um, there's a hiccup with the KYC process because I had to send my, my pictures twice. <laughs> um, <laughs> But it's very secure because my first picture was edited by a photograph. So maybe, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it, they thought I'm cheating. Um, and the investors. So who, I mean, you you found it, you founded a business. Um, in which year did you found it? In 2017. Yeah, in 2017. And who are the investors behind it, or is it your own pocket money, or how is it financed? We did crowdfunding uh, for for the project. Uh, so we crowdfunded, uh, we, we invested some of our own money in the very beginning, and then we also did a crowdfunding round, and mm -hmm. we actually raised money through through that vehicle. So so we don't have uh, any institutional or venture capital in it. And mm -hmm. to be honest, I'm um, I'm very happy about it because I think, and that's uh, my, my large uh, experience and business experience shows me that very often institutional funding or venture funding it dictates uh, what you can or what you can't do and very often you are forced not to deliver the business or work on the business but to work on on creating more value for the next round basically just having a next round and that's something that i don't like so i think it's very good that we don't have this pressure to 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 help uh, to make a next round or to to make sure that our venture investor is happy or something like that. Rather, we can work on, on quality, uh, we can work on in our own space, speed, and we can we can build it up as we feel it's more comfortable or better to do. And was it an ICO? Um, I've read about it just a little bit. Was it an ICO or just normal crowdfunding on a crowdfunding platform? The, the, ICO, the ICO as a term, it wouldn't be 100% correct, but it was something very similar. I would assume it was token generation event. So yes, it was in a way related with with all that uh, with all blockchain and and crypto currencies and things like like and tokens. But yeah, there are different terms, and I think we shouldn't get into it. It's a totally. Uh, I think it's a topic for a for for a, for, a, for a different like for a, alone for a podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. The next time. And how um, for if you have some business angel or something, we have always have you mentioned that you have to do additional works like reporting, and so they always want to create more value and mm -hmm. have reporting. Do you also have to do that for um, the crowdfunders to create like a quarterly reporting that I know from my crowdfunding investments? We do have uh, some uh, reporting, like how we are structured. We We have the project. We have a, a uh, we have a board uh, that is with board members and some advisors, and we do reporting for that. We actually, do we do it uh, now on a monthly basis, and also we do 
some also reporting uh, for the crowdfunding community on on monthly basis. Basically, we share some statistics. We share some some what has happening, what has been happening recently, and what we are planning to do. Cool. And um, what's your personal background? So, what have you studied, or, or what's your background? I have studied uh, finance and economics. I, I I graduated a bachelor in Riga in Stockholm School of Economics. That is that is top 17, I think, in last uh, last report in Europe in in, in that area. Uh, and then I, I graduated also Latvian University and got a master's in, in 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 economics. And then I got one more master in Lithuania because I just felt that I I want to learn and study. So I got one more economics master in Lithuania and and, and also graduated the executive MBA course. But even though I have a quite extensive financial and economics background, uh, my life I have uh, worked for technology. So all the time I have worked for technology. Mostly I have worked for technology, so I have a very strong technological understanding uh, about how, how products are done, processes are run, etc. So that's my background. Other, other co-founders have um, one has similar background. It's more like economics and finance. And more investment and and lending uh, experience, and another has a more law, legal background, and a business development background. Um, sounds good. Uh, maybe too much of education. <laughs> it, can, it can also get in a two-year way if you know too many, many things. Um. <laughs> no, actually, it's it's all about the same, right? It's economics and business. It's it's interesting to see if it advances when you do it, and another degree in like five, ten years. So has it changed, right? <laughs> And um, by the way, uh, do you have an office? Because uh, nowadays it's very important for people um, that you have offices. <laughs> do you have an office people can see on Google Street View? <laughs> it's actually, it's a, yeah, yeah, we have an office. Uh, we have a, a legal office we have in Riga because mm -hmm. the operator of, of the platform is in is registered in Latvia. It's mm -hmm. uh, it's basically due to legal framework. It's it's more positive for this type of activity in Latvia. We can also talk a bit more maybe later or now about legal and what are our plans for licensing and thing, things like that. But no, that's why it is in Latvia. But most of the team is working from Lithuania, uh, from Vilnius. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we uh, we have office now. I'm looking through the window. We are actually sitting in the city center. Uh, in an old old part of the city center, and and there are quite quite many people in the office. So so more than than five full time. <laughs> yeah, full are... full time. Uh, we have uh, full time. I think it would be uh, around ten to fifteen people mm, full time. Because not all of them are full time, so we need to go, but approximately. Yes, I also talked um, with Soli. She's also, I guess, um, a core member of the, the yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that I'm 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 saying that from the home office because now in consultant uh, I'm consultant so it's normal to have maybe no office or sitting at the train and so on, but nowadays it's very important. Um, yeah, for so, for our industry, right? It's it's a bit yes. funny because in tech industry everyone goes and works from home, but yeah, for this digital industry, nomads, but, yes. but peer to peer needs to have offices. Yes, but I think it's just for, because of a couple of cases and that's kind of now it's yeah, but no. Yeah, we have it. We have an office. Perfect. And um, are we on Financial Independence Europe podcast? Do you think peer-to-peer -peer can help people to achieve the goal? Do, have you heard about this Financial Independence Community? Uh, this uh, is it called FIRE? Yeah, the FIRE movement. Yeah, the FIRE movement. 
Yeah, I think I think that's a very. I think that's a, no. I, I have having all this education. I have I have been taught all the time that you have to invest and that you have sa- you have to save and invest, and you have to create your passive income streams. And you can't you shouldn't just rely on your kind of daily work or nine to five or or, or shift work or any other type of work. And you kind of should move into other areas so that you can become financially independent and you can dictate what you want to do. So I, 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 I kind of know about it. Um, I have thought about it myself for a long time. I set myself a goal that I don't want to be forced to work at a certain age in my life. Uh, so I'm going towards that. And uh, yeah, so I think it's a really right right movement, a right way people think. I think that area er, era of, of uh, factory workers, or office workers, etc. it should move. It should change. And P2P can also help with um, sustainable, um, yeah, with a monthly cash flow. Exactly uh, for a, those people. So it could be one part of the mix. Yes, it's one of the streams, I think. Yes. And how old are you? Uh, oh, it's a good question. Thirty-five. Uh, oh, not yeah, bad. I'll be thirty-six in a couple of months. Um, yeah, reasons <laughs> to celebrate, I would say. Yeah. Let's move on a little bit to the business side of Debitum. How this, um, yeah, how it works and. Um, so first of all, I, I'm interested. Um, so you're not focusing on all peer-to-peer. So you're not a general peer-to-peer platform, but you focus on small, medium-sized business. Mm-hmm. What problem? Also, when disco- did you discover the problem, and 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 how do you solve that for these, um, yeah, for these um, companies? It actually it actually goes uh, far back. Uh, some seven years ago, we we started here working. Our our my first business was. Uh, IT company, uh, and actually one of the same co-founders was there. We, we did it together, and then at the some stage we thought uh, we saw that it's very hard for a growing young business to get any financing, and because of that we we started to think about it. We saw it, and that was also the the time where and actually peer to peer started to to appear. Uh, that was like uh, when Bandora happened, started, and and then market invoice in in UK, and then Mintos in Latvia. All these companies started to appear, and we actually thought about it already then. But then we didn't start a peer-to-peer, but we thought that, we, yeah, we have to help business. And we actually started the first in politics invoice financing company, alternative invoice financing company. And that's where all of us three met, and uh, we started that. And uh, now we, we have exited it, actually. And when we were doing that, uh, for me, more specifically, it came back that uh, that idea of, of online technologies and, and uh, joining investment with, with borrowing side, etc. And that's how, how Debitum came out, out of that. And uh, why I personally want to, uh, want to facilitate SME lending more, because I know that uh, I get up, like in SME lending, there are businesses that want to grow. There are businesses that have that have issues growing, and 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 they can actually benefit from taking a loan, and they can grow, make more money, make more revenues, maybe hire more people, etc. I have I have gone through that. I I don't like uh, consumer lending so much because I also have seen I have actually friends working in in the same region in in consumer lending companies, loan originators that are doing consumer lending. And I, I have seen them from their example, from, from their experiences, that quite many of those people actually, they don't take money because to grow something to make their life better, but basically just to consume and get deeper in the debt. 
like with a credit card debt in, in US, for example. And uh, I just don't want to be part of that. So so I, I don't want to be part of that and I don't want, want Debitum to be part of that, of kind of, of, of actually not helping people, but making it maybe even worse for them. If there would be a possibility to to land in a very uh, ethical and, and responsible way, where we actually it's, it's known that uh, those people are actually taking money to grow, becoming to some way to get a new business or something like that, then we might reconsider it. But for now, we, we will be only when you are only involved with with um, business lending. Yeah, I, th I also think that um, there can't be enough uh, supply of, of um, financial funding for small and medium-sized companies because, I mean, they are creating new, new jobs and they want to implement their ideas and so on. So I think it's a yeah, pretty pretty nice uh, thing. What I have seen in the um, on your website is also one example of um, a loan originator because you mentioned that you help um, small business to um, scale and to improve. And one example I've seen yesterday when I invested in one of the loans is the UK Triple Dragon. It's one of the loan originators. And I was investing in, or they, they for example, looking for app developers who... Uh, who want to scale their um, their selling of, of apps and mm -hmm. they're looking for people who or for companies who have an app that uh, has a higher lifetime value than the cost per install are. So that would be one example how somebody who has already product could leverage a loan to um, to scale the business even further then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and that industry is actually quite huge. Uh, like app development and game development industry for mobile game development industry and it's growing really fast but uh, traditional finance uh, they have no clue about it and uh, in this actually quite a specific industry you you really need to have in inside information in a way that you need to have inside expertise you need to understand app development cycle uh, you need to understand all these things Uh, and uh, that, that's why there are a couple of loan originators in the world that are doing it. Uh, but I think it's it's like it's a great opportunity to be honest, because especially Triple Dragon, one of the things that they take uh, as a as a under asset as a collateral basically, is they take over that app developer Google and Apple account, and Google and Apple is directly paying to Triple Dragon accounts. So mm. so it's I think it's. Uh, in, in sense of operations, it's 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 uh, it's structured really uh, quite safely in in that way because no it's similar in a way to invoice financing but invoice financing very often that's the biggest issue that if money doesn't go to your account and maybe it will just disappear if company will have it and will have to repay and maybe company will have some other priorities and will just uh, like use it somewhere else but here in this uh, technical era. You can just take account, basically take it over, like Triple Dragon does take over the account, put in their payment information, and Google and Apple just pay their and other other global companies that generate revenue to such uh, mobile apps. It's interesting that you can have also a different um, collateral, like instead of a, a real estate or a bank account, which they, I think also have access to, mm -hmm. um, that you can just hand over your your app developer accounts. And as collateral or as security for um, investors. So I think having a platform with different loan originators who are all specialized in a certain area of tech or also other industries mm -hmm. could be helpful because they can really help these, um, these business, businesses even further because they understand their, their business model. 
Yeah. So is there are there also other examples right now except factoring? No, like company-wise, again, we have also this car deck from, mm -hmm. uh, from the Netherlands. And it's also a very interesting model because uh, what they do, they take over, uh, there are lawyers that are paid by the government in, in, in the Netherlands. And uh, so basically what they take is that they take government's promissory note to pay those lawyers uh, in, in certain period of time, basically when the court case is ended, and they pay right out, right away to the lawyer to the law company. So it's also, I think, a very interesting model where they, where basically they have found a niche uh, because background of theirs, again, they have to have the same background. So background of theirs, actually, they are in law. They have a legal firm and they uh, know the business process very well. And they have found this niche that they can, that there is a lack of this funding. in. in But we also, out of that, we, yes, as a collateral, we take actually different, we, we take different loan originators. So it's a, it's something with invoices, with these like Triple Dragon case, Carda case. Then it's like a business loan where it's just like monthly installments for a year or two years. We have this new, we have Microcapital Romania uh, that is working like that. And we also have just recently added a company, Novity Finance from Lithuania. The latter, Novity, also having a, European Investment Fund HAFE guarantee uh, that if the business will not pay back, then they will actually pay back. It's actually, I think, a huge step for this company, for Novity, to get such mm -hmm. uh, recognition from a European European uh, funding instruments. Yeah. And and Kardec, um, one guy on Facebook asked if there are also new loans from Kardec are coming to the platform. Uh, yeah, I understand the question because I think they... We uploaded around 50,000. It was not a huge amount to upload 50,000, I think. And um, and they were bought out, I think, a couple of days. So I understand the question. Uh, actually, I, I I looked at it as well. I asked the team if there are new loans from Kartik. And I understand that, yes, there are going to be new loans even today or tomorrow. I don't know when you publish, so maybe it will be in history. But yes, there will be going to be new loans from them on a constant basis, I assume. No, they really, really like these loans, um, but obviously you uh, don't don't have unlimited supply. Of course, um, because it's a, it's maybe a small niche. And um, you mentioned that you upload these loans, so it's kind of spreadsheet. Uh, you, you just upload. We have we have two options. Uh, we have option uh, for a loan originator to integrate their solution with our solution and upload automatically and repay automatically and do all the things. Uh, system to system but we also have a kind of a manual up, uh, possibility to upload manually and mm -hmm. uh, and usually a lot smaller originators that maybe don't have such a fancy it system or they don't have a, or they have system to for their uh, recording their activity but they don't have a possibility to integrate it then yeah we use a we use a manual upload possibilities that goes uh no that we can do so basically they transfer to us information manually and we, we upload it And the institutional investors, they, do they also use the interface um, casual investors are using or do they have some fancy Bloomberg terminal for you? <laughs> no, they actually, they have two options. They, <laughs> we don't have the fancy Bloomberg terminal, but they can either use the same uh, interface and uh, some are doing, or they can actually also integrate. And when integrating, then they basically can take all data to their solution and then do do activity from there. For example, we have an institutional investor from Switzerland and they have integrated with us. And what they do is that actually they take 
uh, they take all assets to their side, analyze it through their perspective, compare it to other opportunities that they are investing in, decide where to invest, how much, put all the investments through APIs, integration, also follow all the my investment uh, data through integration, etc. So we have this kind of possibility to either regular user interface or integration. As usually, the, the Swiss people are ahead of the game. <laughs> And Bondora has also an API that um, normal, say, let's say normal people can uh, access, but this is not uh, public right now uh, for everybody to use uh, API so that developers can run their own analysis okay. of the loans and so on. Oh, okay. We haven't done it public. We, we want to see, we want to know at least who is, who is connecting and et cetera. And of course, so mm. always with integrations, there might be some issue, might be some uh, No, we have seen it when we integrated with a couple of no, with institutionals as well as loan originators. There are, of course, like questions on how, what's that, what's that exactly, how is that going? So there's mm. usually we would say that there might be needed some support. Uh, so so that's why we don't do it like in a public way now. But maybe later, maybe if it, maybe maybe later we can do it, or maybe at least some part of it. No, maybe not the activity part like investment, etc. But maybe, maybe more like a data, data set. Hmm. As you mentioned, for yeah. analysis, I think that's quite interesting option. Yeah, I, I know some some bloggers who's doing it with um, with Bondora since quite a while. So that's why I think, but that's not for the majority, I guess. Um, they don't want to analyze the data sets <laughs> <laughs> at home. Yeah. And you also um, added the loyalty feature, which is also, I mean, I've, I've heard about that it's a big thing also in e-commerce um, to keep and retain customers. So you, you have thought about how can we increase the loyalty and you have, I think, two um, two perks for them. So people, can you let us know how it works? Yeah, we, we, we were thinking about it for some quite some time. And uh, as having this tech background, we thought like that, you know, you can always ask users and people, do you want loyalty program? And then you get one type of response and you can actually always do it and see, see when, what people do in reality, right? So we, we, we established uh, like a beginning of a loyalty program. We're based on investment every day. People, users are getting a loyalty reward, and then the reward can be used in special services that can only be accessed uh, with that loyalty reward. And the two services we have right now, it's one is to follow an investor. What does it mean? It means that for a certain period of time, I think it's currently one week, you can actually see all top investors uh, anonymously, not, not like a real investor, but anonymously. You can see all top investors in four categories. Uh, so it's basically the highest return, Uh, lowest risk uh, score on the asset on asset level, uh, less smallest delays on assets, and uh, and one more thing that I always forget. <laughs> and um, and so basically, what you can do, you can see all assets, current and historic, in your asset list. You can see all assets; they will be marked where that particular investor has invested. So in in a way, you can see where has invested, like top you top uh, top return guy, or the guy who has uh, highest Uh, highest credit scores in their assets, etc. So you can kind of learn from that and see how your investments differ. So kind of copy trading uh, we, for peer to peer. Yeah, but uh, we don't we we don't do copy trading like automatic because when you when you have it copy trading in stock market, etc. You usually kind of feel that there is unlimited uh, unlimited supply, right? Like unlimited supply of an Apple stock or something, or shares or something like that. 
but uh, but in in our assets you don't have unlimited supply so we we, we were actually thinking about like automatic hopping but we then thought okay there will be so many edge cases when maybe it's not possible to invest that amount and etc cetera, etc cetera, and then it will be you know give a wrong feedback so now we do that you can do it manually you can see where that user goes uh, or the mm-hmm. different and you can do it manually and another thing, uh, another service uh, for those users will be liquidating a late asset, meaning that they will basically initiate that the late asset is bought back right away from them. Their part of investment is bought back right away, so they get back the principal and the interest accrued. That's kind of more for a cash management. If you invested in an asset that you expected that will be paid back in, say, 1st of, January, 1st of April, for example, that you actually, uh, you actually can make sure that you can get that money out on when planned. Cool. And then you have this DEB currency or point system. And um, one guy also asked on the internet uh, if you if you use blockchain uh, with your current solution, but then also the other loan originator somehow must be use blockchain to integrate? What we, we, we do partly, we have some blockchain infrastructure in pattern like that is connected to the platform. That of course, we have this DEB, basically tokens or points, how you call, call them, how you want, and they are they actually are physical thing on the blockchain. So we we do some transactions there. We also wanted to actually put all assets like a fact that there is this actual like asset like this, and then every investment like there is like 50 investments in this asset on a blockchain. We thought that there will be plus. And I think that plus actually will turn out at this current stage of this industry as a very valid plus that everyone can see that actually asset was there. It was actually uploaded on the exact date and the, there were actual investments happening, etc. But we don't do it at the moment um, because um, because of the fees. Because the blockchain fees actually are are so huge at the moment for that, that say we wouldn't be able to allow minimum investment of $10 because sometimes maybe to record that transaction, you might pay like 50 cent or maybe even $1 if you get really unlucky. So it would be enormously huge fees. So that's why. But we, we are looking what to do it with it in the future because I like that transparency point that blockchain, I think, gives. Because that would, uh, I think that would also benefit uh, the community at large. Yes, I'm not sure if, if all institutional investors would like the transparency, but <laughs> <laughs> at, at least, I mean, it's, it's a cool technology. Uh, I think it will be, it will evolve in the future and you can uh, reconsider it then. And I think a database is much cheaper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that the issue. The technology is really cool, as you say, and actually it brings benefits. But I think at the moment, very often the cost is not there yet. It actually is quite costly. Uh, so, but we, how we say to that to ourselves is that we already have some working concepts and proof of concept done in parallel of the actual production Debitum network platform. Uh, so we think like that. Okay, we are really prepared if if there will be a possibility to make that infrastructure uh, in an efficient, cost-efficient way scalable way then we will be really ready to jump into it like bam that's it we are into it uh so that's kind of we think that that might give us an edge in the future mm. so keep keep the knowledge inside and um what what you also have and what is really differentiate against the others is the the user interface it's quite fancy and it's really even better than another uh, red or pink <laughs> uh, uh, platform <laughs> 
Um, so it's, um, I would say it's top-notch, even the details and so on. Even if you click translate, uh, it's it's right there without reload. Thank you. Um, you see, really see that, that's a feature I, I asked the development team because I was always so, I was so fed up with it. And uh, I tell you why. It's a bit off track. Uh, uh, you can cut it if you want. But uh, when I came from Latvia to Lithuania, I didn't understand Lithuanian. And I wanted to, I had to deal with different governmental institutions. And very often I was able, with some keywords, I was able to find the information that I need in Lithuanian page. And then I wanted to like change the language to English to get all the details. And always it restarted to the front page, to the landing page. And I was screwed. <laughs> I never found, <laughs> I never was able yeah. to get the information. So when we were doing Debitum, I was like, hey guys, no, we have to do it in a way that it just puts you on the same page. <laughs> and if you ask for it, um, you get it. You get you. They del deliver. Yeah, it exactly. It's <laughs> that like off topic, but there's small details that are important. And actually, all team is involved in that. Like developers on business side, they are all like attend and putting attention to that detail. And um, some other. Um, now let's maybe talk about the interest rates. I've I've read uh, I read in on Facebook from Atom, uh, one of our community mm -hmm. members, who said. Uh, how can you uh, keep these high returns in the future? And then, and I was thinking about, um, okay, our audience also has these ETF uh, mm -hmm. plans where they invest for like 10 to 9% mm -hmm. um, in, in average. So um, I was thinking, why should they invest uh, in peer-to-peer -peer or in debitum, mm -hmm. with, which also uh, has a range between, I think, maybe six or five to, to nine-ish mm -hmm. percent. So why? how can you keep the high rates? And how would you convince somebody who is investing in, in ETFs to um, yeah to invest with Debitum Network? <laughs> First of all, I think that um, it's not just return. Of course, I think it's uh, it's more to investment. Uh, one is liquidity, of course, and uh, another is also impact. I think it's a social impact or any impact. Um, that is a big thing in recent years. So I think in, in a way, when you invest... Um, in debitum, in a way, it's very similar because all the assets are, all the loans are backed with some assets. Uh, usually, it's uh, it's either uh, invoices and receivables. It might be real estate, uh, some other assets, moving as movable assets, warehouse. So, in that sense, I think secure-wise, it's it's very similar. I, I can I could argue that it's very similar, uh, but at the same time point, you you clearly understand where you put your impact in what type of region, in what type of place you put your impact through those businesses that get that money and that are growing through that. So I think that's very important. Of course, when you want to, when you are looking only at return, I think there are um, there are ways you can invest uh, that are uh, like very easy, right? You like one-click investment, like yeah, a store, like an ETF, something, you just buy it and keep it. Uh, but no, I'm looking at it differently. And I think there is quite a lot of community that is also looking not only to, to distribute money and to get return, but actually to see where it money goes and what the impact of that money. All right. And uh, and you also get the yeah kind of predictable cash flow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you pick monthly repayment loans, for example, or short-term loans, then you mm -hmm. actually get an extra extra money all, all the time. You can then compound that interest that you have received all, all mm -hmm. around. Uh, and that compound, like if you invest in products like invoice financing, uh, like trade financing, that are, say, 
um, around a month or more or less, then um, you can actually compound your interest like 10, 11 times per year. And uh, then actually on what you get, you, you can increase the average interest rate by 10%. So it's, uh, no, approximately. So it's not, uh, it's, it's in like, it gets better, right? Hmm. There are options. And also what I think um, we didn't touch yet, but um, what I think also an interesting idea is that on Debitum, you can also be really in charge of your risk because we do, we do a scoring model in the, on the platform where you actually know the risk score of the particular repayer in, in terms of probability of default for that repayer in the next 12 months. So you actually can, uh, if you want to, if you feel like it, you can actually manage your risk profile as well in a more kind of segmented way. Uh, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. yeah, that's another thing additionally. Um, yes, and I, I filtered also when I invested in a couple of loans there, um, you could filter by um, credit score yeah. and there's a, a slider and you can start with A plus to F. Mm-hmm. Is this, uh, these, uh, this credit, score, credit scores, are this the same for all loan originator? Is there the same rules when there is a certain score? Uh, yeah, this is, this is what we wanted to do like uh, when earlier... Actually, one of our co-founders was a top investor on Bondora when it started. And then we were, uh, we were joining Mintos when it started and other platforms. And uh, one of the things that always, uh, always uh, stressed us was that uh, risk level, you can never understand the risk level. And, uh, and always the risk level is very segmented on, a, on, other, on other places. And we wanted to make it better. So what we did, we did our own internal credit scoring. Uh, so it is uh, uh, homogeneous. It's like the same for all loan originators, and it's based very uh, usually it's based on a third-party uh, score, meaning that there is a local partner in the same place in the same market the loan originator operates that is giving the score additional score on on its on that loan on that repayer, and then they use uh, statistical mathematical methods to give a probability of default in the next 12 months. And uh, that's, that, allows a, that allows user to compare uh, loans, say, from Netherlands to the loan in Romania or Lithuania or UK, uh, or how to say, on a comparable level, on statistical, on comparable level. So you have a different scoring provider in each of the countries, like Netherlands, um, UK, and so on. Yes. And we, they, they, they take the, the, um, the borrower... And they see is he worth a credit score A and so on. Yes, we what they they actually the, what they do we we operate with with larger companies like we for example we operate with Coface in Romania, with Creef Network and European Network. Uh, we we operate with companies that specialize in this scoring. And that's again a different podcast that we could run. But I personally I I think. Those proprietary kind of individual risk scoring models for loan originators, they make me laugh based on big data or absence of big data in most cases. And uh, so what we do, we, we collaborate with, uh, with companies that are professionals in that area that score all the companies in that market. And we take that score from them. And that's why it is kind of homogeneous. And that's why we, we, can, we can actually say that, okay, this loan is that and that score, that and that probability of default in the next 12 months. Also, a plus of that is that we actually know all borrowers. We actually have all the company numbers for all the borrowers. We actually know who is the borrower and who is, who is the repayer. 
And I think that also sets us apart from many other platforms uh, where, where, that is, uh, where that data is, uh, is anonymous and maybe only checked in a, in a verify, no, like in a random verification process. For us, it's a crucial point that all loan originators have to give the details of, uh, of borrower and repayer. And do you also plan kind of score or rating for these loan originators or, or just maybe uh, just haven't seen it? We have, yeah, we, of course, we actually, we do it internally. We have a, when we do onboarding, uh, we have a quite, a, quite an extensive uh, uh, balance scorecard, balance scorecard, but that is based on both on, on very objective data like financials and portfolio numbers and portfolio analysis and also some a bit more subjective like uh, experience, uh, annual ex you know, experience in years of team, etc. and the processes and then we have them scores. So far we don't we don't make them hundred uh, uh, percent uh, we don't make them like we don't make them public at the moment. But we are thinking of how to make it more public. We don't want to give away the whole models that we use, because I think that that's exactly our expertise, this uh, loan, loan originator onboarding, loan originator analysis. And uh, we don't want to give that all expertise away, but we want to give like summary of what we have found, a summary of pluses and minuses. Uh, so we are working uh, on making that information public. I mean, it's it's uh, your intellectual property a little bit, and but I mean, for for investors, it's, it would be nice to have an auto invest to just pick rated A loan originators or rated F loan originators um, to automate uh, the investment process. Uh, we we refuse all loan originators that we don't feel that we'll be able to originate loans. So we will not be able to collect on those loans, and will not be able to do buyback on the loans. We refuse all of them. And we actually have had cases already where we refuse uh, originators, and we also have had cases where we refuse an originator and someone else takes the originator. So it doesn't mean that we are better or worse, but it just means that we are different. So yeah, so that's how we do it. And, and basically, what we feel very confident about originators that they have, and we have no problem putting our own, our own capital in all of them. And if we mm. if we wouldn't feel comfortable about any of the originators, and we have had a case like that in the history, in the history, we actually have a point that allows us to push emergency brakes and require an instant uh, buyback of all assets and uh, termination of uh, collaboration. Mm. And you um, you also have different uh, securities or convenience, how you call it, like ratios. What are the ratios? And or maybe can you elaborate a little bit on these ratios: reserve fund, buyback, pledge, surety. Yeah, but what we what we have, we have different ratios. We have first of all, we have very like um, subtle uh, subtle covenants that are like a company can only do the operations that they are doing, like only that loan origination. They can't change the loan origination model. They can't add new products without letting us know first. Uh, of course, things like uh, the dividend payouts and uh, things like that. That are kind of like regular governance, right? The debt to equity uh, is one of the ratios that we, we are looking at um, as we are putting as a covenant and um, positive uh, profitability, Uh, we also have a we also have a more kind of uh, a regular buyback, and then we have a advanced buyback mechanism, meaning that we that we split we split portfolio and we look uh, at days late for exact portfolio. For example, uh, if a regular buyback uh, at, uh, for us usually it's after 90 days late, then an advanced buyback would be like that. That uh, for example, if 
50% of our loans are 60 days late, then there is already a buyback. We are not waiting 90 days for one loan to be late, but if I say 50% are late, uh, 60 days, there is some ad- advance buyback. Or if like 90% are late, like 30 days, there is advance buyback. So we kind of, we have such mechanisms in place. Yeah, uh, reserve fund, it's, uh, uh, some are using it. It's when uh, they are putting actually from every loan that they sell, they put a, a small fee into a reserve fund. If there would be a buyback in the situation necessary, we would already have some pool uh, of funds available. There are yeah, different structures that we, we work with or we, we are using for different loan originators um, to make sure that, uh, that they actually can collect and that they actually can provide as they have funds to provide if there is a buyback situation. Yeah, so so many mechanisms that you have, and you can also see on the on the loan page or uh, originator page, you mm. can see which mechanisms are working for this particular loan originator. Yes, so that you can make your um, choice when investing. Yeah, yeah. So and that leads me maybe also to the na- next uh, topic, which is compliance. There's a new European crowdfunding regulation, but first of all, what compliance rules are you currently have to apply or comply with? As I think as you might know, then operating out of Latvia at the moment, then uh, per se, these operations are uh, are kind of not forbidden or let's, yeah, not forbidden on other platforms are operating. But we are, we are also undergoing licensing process procedure at the moment because we want to get uh, uh, one particular license. I think we It will be a license in a financial market industry that will allow us to, that will allow us to, in a better way to, to do all these operations. Maybe even to do some bundling of loans, etc. So that's we are under under the process at the moment. I would say maybe we have passed some 60%, 70% of the process. And of course, what we also have that's quite a strong thing. We need to do AML and know like anti money laundering and know your customer procedures because those are important. And then what you mentioned, uh, I think what we talked about, that uh, you have um, you had some double, you had to struggle with KYC, do it double. So that's something that we take very, very carefully. And that also brings a lot of security for users because we make sure that uh, we know who the users are. We make sure that their bank account, for example, when they deposit money, we make sure that their bank account information actually fits the user information that we have. And then also we have only allowed withdrawals to the same bank accounts. So actually make sure that the same user actually has already used the account to deposit and then only once it withdraws it to the same account. So you can make sure that they are in, uh, they are there. And these new EU crowdfunding regulation, I think there's t- 12 months or uh, for for the different member countries to implement this law by, by the EU? Yeah, I, I think in Latvia, if I'm not mistaken, they were... They were doing something. They wanted to do a national law. Um, so it's 20 now. In 18, in the beginning of 18, and I think it was stopped uh, because this European law was coming into force or was like coming coming uh, to force. And uh, and now I think they will do. Uh, they will start implementing that law into the local national legislation. We'll see how it will go. 
But I think that for a business model that we do, and that's one of the most important things is repurchase of this claim, right? I think that, uh, and that's why we are doing a different licensing because I think that licensing is more appropriate for us. Okay, so um, then let's see what kind of licensing you get. And I think there's also the maximum of 5 million per loan originator that you can have uh, in this regulation. I think um, some other platforms mm. might be that they also um, are above this 5 million threshold. Mm. So let's see how this will be implemented. Yeah, there's no, that's, I think I, I understand how I understand the process currently. And that many, at least what I know in Latvia, is that many platforms are going to regulator on a regular basis, discussing and moving on in and each in slightly different option, slightly different way. Uh, because, of course, no, at least that's how we perceive it. We consult with regulator what's the way, what's the best way for us to move forward, the best way to do the business and the business models that we want to pursue now and in the future. And then we are moving uh, moving towards that direction. All right. So um, then let's see. Any any wish you have for the regulators? They probably won't listen here <laughs> to this podcast. <laughs> But any any urgent needs that need to be regulated for you? Uh, no, I think it's all all good. And actually, I was uh, surprised how nice is Latvian regulator. How like no. Friend, no, friendly, maybe not the word, but like how how much they want to consult and help out, and I think they 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 just need to do a bit more PR, uh, like Estonians and Lithuanians in neighbor neighboring countries are doing it. <laughs> yeah, there's probably some competition between these countries, yeah. <laughs> and that's why they also try to uh, create a nice environment yeah, exactly. for these uh, companies. I guess Germany is not so nice because they don't care. <laughs> Yeah, and so um, to summarize, maybe um, so you you want to comply with some of these regulations and also um, uh, have additional efforts for licensing. You have um, a lot of mechanisms to um, for um, backing up these these loans and also have your own scoring model for the um, loan originators, but also in public for the uh, borrowers itself. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, kind of compelling package right now. <laughs> so that's then let's move on. Um, what do you think about this media coverage? Would you say if peer-to-peer is kind of growing and growing and growing, like like to some point where it's like the stock market? Um, because right now they are, they are, the coverage is mostly from bloggers and um, so people in their bedroom um, writing stuff about peer-to-peer platforms. Mm-hmm. Would you say there's also some normal media coverage uh, soonish like in newspapers uh, like tv um, who are now reporting about stocks would you say there also is some some tv show for peer-to-peer investing in in the um, yeah in in the tv no, soon, I, I i think in general the amounts are quite way too small at the moment it's just uh, even if you look at the biggest ones it's just a couple of million million a couple of billion uh Yeah, so it's not it's nothing if you compare it to stocks. Like uh, uh, I recall, for another topic in the European Parliament, was discussing with local legislators, and they said, "Ah, it's a couple of uh, couple of trillion industry. If it will go bust tomorrow, no one will notice. So who cares?" Uh, so I think it's just too small at the moment. And I think I think it would be great if there would be more media coverage, but I think it's just too small of a topic at the moment. And unless, and I think the only way currently to get media coverage, unfortunately, is with negative cases. Uh, but I think it's just too small for more positive cases, unless those bloggers 
actually that are doing a good job now that actually they move maybe more into a traditional media yeah that also the bloggers are kind of need to professionalize maybe some bloggers became become a media company or some bloggers also have different business models and also i i had the feeling that um yeah in the beginning it was all It was just nerds. Then there were some bloggers, um, they were kind of, they hyped it and they just made people look only for the returns. And then there is uh, another shift complete to the opposite that is so much criticism and everybody is um, kind of, not paranoid, paranoid, but um, yeah, I mean, scandals also generate clicks. Mm. And so I think then now, um, normally it should now go to a constructive, um, healthy and balanced ecosystem so that you have just normal <laughs> coverage mm-hmm. i think that's a healthy process and that all industries or all new domains are um yeah have to work through and um yeah let's see uh, how it grows and if there maybe is a cnn just for peer-to-peer somehow in the future <laughs> i think um, yeah maybe it takes a while What would you give um, as a last question, maybe before wrapping up, as one advice from you for somebody who wants to start with peer-to-peer? How can that one be successful? What would you, how would you advise them to invest? I think, first of all, it's, um, it's very important for the person to actually look into the risk profile and understand that in any investment, you shouldn't invest more than you can actually afford to lose even if you never expect to lose it, or even if you will not ever lose it in 100 or 200 years, but you should always only invest what you can lose. Uh, I think that's the first fair thing. And uh, and then I, I would I would suggest to look into uh, to risk profiles, to do some uh, initial analysis, look at the different platforms available, look why they are doing exactly what they do, what are the reasoning behind, the logic behind, What are their internal processes on onboarding, uh, due diligence, etc.? Then I would also suggest actually to to uh, investigate, listening, the reading, and listening to bloggers, to other other counterparties. Maybe even see what the loan originators talk about, read about, write about bloggers, what they do, uh, platforms, regulators, etc. See to get a better e- understanding i all i am a believer that you should only invest in in places that you actually understand at least you understand how it works and what are the basic principles behind um because then i think you no, i would i am personally thinking that you should always invest where you understand how it works you understand how it operates understand what are the possible risks and then you can then you can actually pick things that are more appropriate for you Maybe it's uh, consumer loans, maybe it's business loans, maybe it's high risk, high return, maybe it's uh, lower risk, lower return, maybe it's Europe, maybe it's part of some part of Europe, maybe it's actually different places, right? That maybe like uh, maybe it's Asia or Africa where, uh, where, the, where the growth is higher, maybe it's places like Germany where the growth is like very small, no, it's different places. So I think that actually I think that everyone should do their homework and they should dig in into the topic first of all. Spend maybe a couple of days, a couple of weeks on that, depending on how fast they are able to do that, and then make a inform inform make a smart decision, basically a decision based already on some information. I I really I really wouldn't advise people just to take uh, any first advice, just jump into it and just do it. In my experience, uh, I have had many investment opportunities p- provided to me 
in a similar manner. And I have learned uh, the hard the hard way and the easy way that you should understand what you're doing. And then you should, because then you are able to take responsibility for your act, actions, right? And then I think also that would be better for the markets and kind of like those negative market side most likely would be would have harder times to exist, et cetera, et cetera. So quickly in, in one sentence, in one sentence, yes. you know, just uh, understand where you're going into, understand that there are risks and returns and pick what fits you better in terms of product. Bam. Bam. Um, and that's also true maybe for the stock market. Some are good with quality stocks. Some are better with momentum stocks. Exactly. And, um, some are so good what, with dividend stocks. It's yeah. like... It's, you, you need to feel also passionate about uh, the strategy you pick because otherwise it's a pain to to research and read uh, a lot of um, uh, magazines and blogs and so on. Exactly. Um, would you advocate for then for specializing your investments or to, for diversification? <laughs> it depends. I mean, if you really believe or if based on your strategy, if you really think that certain loans, certain loan originator, certain region, etc., it's the best place on earth, I think you should just go in there. Again, thinking in, taking in mind that only risking what you can lose. But I, I, then I think that why not? If you really believe in certain industry place, you just go in there. That's what you would do in any other place, not only investment or not only in this type of investment. If you don't have a strong feeling about certain place or certain product, etc., then of course diversification might help. And most in most cases it would help. But just make sure it's an actual diversification because sometimes I think um, sometimes It might seem like a huge diversification, but at the end of the day, it may be is a is a small because there are there are like some single points of failure in that schema, and then it's not such a big diversification. So I would advocate if you want to diversify, more platforms, more loan, more loan originators, more loans, more broader region, broader products, spectra, etc. So um, very good advice and um, thank you for that. And yeah, let's finish it now. Or I already mentioned that you finished. Yeah, <laughs> um, okay. But uh, maybe just one question. Where's Dibitum Network in 2025? I think we are, uh, we are top investment uh, platform for business loans. I think uh, because Schulte is my, we played football together. So I say you will be talking top consumer loans and we will be top business loans. Uh, but yes, in reality, I think that we are top business uh, loan investment platform. Mm. And um, even before linked finance and funding circle, I guess. I think, uh, as you see, some of them even go bankrupt. So who, who knows? <laughs> who knows if if no one else will go there? But uh, yeah. I think the issue is that uh, yes, and I can tell you why because because we we are not afraid from eastern part of Europe. Uh, Central Eastern part, and most of them are afraid. And uh, unless they will change that opinion, and they haven't changed it for, for, a, couple, for a long period of time, like 10 years maybe in some of them, is that uh, th those parts that we are not afraid actually are growing faster. They need more money. Uh, I think there is a huge, uh, huge opportunities there. And, uh, and I think what they do in Western world, sooner or later, banks will take it over. Uh, or those platforms will become banks. And then I don't know if we can still say that they are an alternative lending business. Uh, so, so I think uh, that's how, how it should, will end up.
because mm. I, I don't believe that a company that is operating like a bank will not become a bank or a bank will not buy it. So I think alternative is, ac- is exactly for those places that actually can't get regular access to funding. So that's why like things like Triple Dragon, for example, gaming industry, it's really too young at the moment. I think in 10 years, of course, it will get a regular banking funds and they will not need any alternative lending. Uh, but there will be something else that will need it, right? Maybe bloggers will be able, or maybe <laughs> maybe Instagram stars will, will need funding. You, you never know. But I think this type of uh, thing is for new new industries, new places, growing regions. So that's uh, really interesting. Maybe there's a platform for Instagram influencers to fund their <laughs> to fund their stories. I think um, exactly, exactly, because they need to fund stories to get more people. To get more people, they get higher payage. I think that yeah. not all of them understand it, maybe, or do it, but I think it, there is a business. Um, yes, and uh, I've also heard that some of the platforms are um, striving towards a banking license. Yeah. So that could also be um, then a mainstream business instead of alternative. Yeah. And um, you, um, I've seen that you also deployed a CEO in, in, in Debitum Network. Um, but we have also a lot of uh, business founders and startup uh, founders in the audience Um What would you advise them? When do they need to know when it's time to um, step aside, or yeah, or have just another CEO, maybe to uh, improve the operational in, um, excellence or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Elon Musk is, uh, has, hasn't understood, understood <laughs> it, but but maybe he's really good at it. You know, uh, I, I'm telling. All, uh, I'll start. Uh, First of all, of course, I'm telling it like that. If you are the best at doing, just do it. And if you are not best at doing, then teach someone else to do it. So maybe that's the time you go away. But uh, but jokes aside, I think everyone has to understand their strong and, and their strong sides and their weak sides. And uh, I know that my strongest side is is a vision, is um, is startup, is starting a business, is having a interest, is having a vision where to put that business. But uh, I really don't. Uh, I'm not so good at daily daily management of team, daily management, daily daily management of goals, daily management of tasks done, etc. Uh, so I thought uh, this is my weaker side. So I need to I need to make them stronger. So I need to bring in someone who has really good experience in that and who is really good at this this managing the team and bringing the product further. And I already I'm I'm very happy about doing that because I already see a lot of positive outcomes. I see more loan originations that uh, that previously we had some trouble bringing new originators in. Uh, I see new investors uh, on the institutional side. So I see a lot of positive things, and I see that we can complement each other. I can still, I can still uh, be passionate about it and see a vision where where it could go. What other new things maybe it could introduce or new corners it can uh, it can get into, and and he can make sure that actually we go there and we achieve it. So I think uh, I think the suggestion is that you need to understand what you're good at and what you're not so good at, and then you need to understand if what is needed for the business at this moment. And for me, I thought that okay, we really need to get way better. At um, at execution on a daily level, uh, so I thought, mm. okay, that's something I need to get someone else to come in and do it. Mm. Uh, and he has also a lot of experience um, from from the loan originator side and uh, worked with 
in the industry for a long, a long time? Yeah, he worked in 15 years in, in, in regular banking, SME lending, and in alternative lending to, 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 to businesses. And I think it's also very nicely complements because my background is more from invoicing and kind of the short-term products. And his background is more from those long-term products, like regular loans, like monthly payment, uh, repayment loans, etc. So I think that also was uh, uh, that was one of the additional points why that decision was made, because to also bring in uh, vast experience in an important mm -hmm. area for us. So broader skill base to to scale better um, the debit network. Yeah. Um. So we finished, I would say, and we have a couple of questions we always ask. Um. Where can people find you online? If you want to be found, <laughs> uh, like uh, uh, you can go at debitum.network uh, to find uh, to find the platform. If that was a question, if where to find me, then go to LinkedIn and type in Martins uh, Libert. Perfect. Um, so, uh, of course, for support uh, requests, please go to Debitum Network. And um, we always ask, what is one resource people who want to become financially independent can read or, or listen to? Um, do you have any book that was really good um, or a podcast or a journal uh, you can recommend? Definitely. It's Gary V. Just go listen to Gary V. Consume Gary V. Gary V. Podcast, Gary V. Vlogs. Uh, that's that's. I think for uh, it's a really good resource for many uh, people who would need to who need to get independent. Yeah, this Instagram guy who who's writing <laughs> all of the time comments and. He's not Instagram. <laughs> See, also you need to go and uh, look at his video. He's a multimillionaire who is all, also happens to be on Instagram, but uh, I think he's. Uh, I think really he's a really awesome guy for me. He actually brought me some things, uh, brought up some things in my thinking that I knew about, but maybe I have forgotten. Uh, he reminded me of those. And I think um, I, do, I do, don't say that's the only person, but for me, it, it left an impact recently. So I think it might leave for some other people as well. And it's quite entertaining also. <laughs> and, and he also reminds uh, sometimes of the things you might have uh, forgotten uh, how to improve yeah. things. And he has really, really great videos. Uh, And um, and one actionable advice you have for people uh, who want to become financial independent, so what they could do, or maybe some life advice or investment advice. I think uh, very often people don't think that they can start saving and investing right now. Very often I have seen that people say, ah, okay, I need to, I can't start with like 500 or 1,000 or 100 even or 50 euros. I need to have like more, way much more money and therefore they just don't start, right? And I think that's a big issue. So I think even uh, like a life advice, I think what, wherever you are at this point, you can always put aside certain amount of your regular income and start investing and start saving. And that will be the first step to your financial independence. So be it 50 euros, be it 50,000 euros per month, uh, you can always start doing it. And I think that's the first step to become financially independent is actually to take that step and to start investing and saving somewhere. Thank you for the interview, Martin. And um, yeah, see you next time. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Matthias once again. I hope you had as much fun as I had with the interview. If you decide to give Debitum Network a spin, you should know that there is an additional cashback on your investments for FI Europe listeners. Find out more at financial-independence.eu slash Debitum. Of course, this is no official financial advice and we encourage you to do your additional research and ask your financial advisor. 
Hey Matthias, do you think there are no financial independence Facebook groups yet? Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content. Gotcha. And also, we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups, on Reddits, in Facebook groups, the Fire Europe retreat, obviously, we organized. And this is, in the end, the main reason why we started the whole podcast project, to talk to guys like you, uh, learn more from you, case studies, answer questions, and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger, smarter, and hopefully also richer people. So, you know, Matthias, say I'm interested in this. Where do I find this Facebook group? Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe podcast. See you in the group. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing to your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.